Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff: shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at fifty to eighty percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello and welcome back to Sofa Cinema Club. I'm Colton Smith, and as always, I'm joined by... Jack P. Shepard. Oh, Ben Deschamps. <laughs> good, good. It's not my first rodeo. <laughs> the Sofa Cinema Club is our podcast where we get together and educate each other on films. Now, it's all about the films we should have seen, but we haven't seen. Each week we get into the studio, we watch a film, and then we talk about what we loved, hated, and rated. The beauty of our film club is that anyone can join in. All you have to do is watch along at home, and then join us every Thursday to find out what we thought of the film. This week's film has been chosen by Jack and Ben for me and all of you guys at home to watch. And it is Stand By Me. But before we get into talking all things Stand By Me, which is one of Ben's favourite films. <laughs> favourite? As always, how has your week been? Well, come on. We can't fucking start how's your week been when you're in the kitchen somewhere in Ibiza. <laughs> come on, Coles. How are you doing? Is this a Sofa Cinema Club first? It is. And actually, you've boosted our listenership in Ibiza. Yeah, because I had a listen to the Monday episode today as I was walking around. I thought, when when Ben quizzes us, I can I can answer that. Have you packed your glow sticks? Yep. Slid into Wayne Lineker's DMs. <laughs> <laughs> What's it like? Do you know what? It's really, really nice. It's nice to be away again. Busy? Yeah. Um, so I, I left Leeds Bradford. Uh, on a really early morning flight, like an eight o'clock flight on Sunday. Everyone was kind of in the same boat of going on their first holiday in over a year and obviously really excited. And you do have to kind of jump through hoops to be able to go away in terms of getting tested and making sure that everything's COVID safe. Mm. But um, it, it, do you know what? It was mint. And one of the girls, I, I flew with Jet 2 and the air hostess said to me, this was her first day back at work since March um, in 2020. Oh, Wow. So, you know, I, I was kind of buzzing for them and everybody else that was on the plane and now that's here. But being away, like, I I, I love travelling. It's something that I've always liked. I, I kind of like the feeling of making myself uncomfortable and kind of seeing different things and just learning. But um, it's just good to be back, you know, hearing different languages again and it, just a change of scenery. But... um. No, it's it's very, very nice, other than the fact it's 33 degrees. Oh, that's good. Ooh, well, great for Shepard, Mazzola <laughs> Shepard. Not great for our Jean-Gerre friend here, who needs Factor 101. L- literally. Is it Factor 110? And I only brought my Nivea Factor 50 Trillion sun cream, 
So I haven't. I'm saying all the words I can't say today, aren't I? I know, you packed them in. It's a bonanza. Um, so hold on, you ordered the Factor 110, not used. I don't need it, Mum. It's not, it won't be that hot, 33. Yeah, and it's uh, in the boot of my car. So have you put the 50 on? And have you been running? Yes. So I'm purely here for the purpose of, like, outdoor adventure, basically. Oh, I like that. Hello. <laughs> Hello. I'm purely here for outdoor adventure. Call me... Colson Grills. <laughs> <laughs> so a bit of a bit of a balls up first day. So I land on Sunday, and like I say, you know when you land and they say the outside temperature is. Mm. And when he said thirty three degrees, the plane cheered, and I went, "Oh, that that's Oof. hot. That's hot. Is that?" Yeah. Um, but as soon as I got here and got to the hotel and got checked in, I wanted to go on a run straight away. So I went <laughs> on a run in like peak temps at like. At like two o'clock yesterday. Oh, good idea! Good idea. Yeah, dreadful idea. Felt a bit faint. <laughs> it was it was it was hellish. But I, I, it was only a road run, and the reason I wanted to come was to run trail, basically. So I woke up this morning. My alarm went off at six, and I went, "Oh, it's a bit a bit early." And then I looked and went, "It'll still be cool in an hour." So I I went back to sleep till seven, and then went out on a trail. And I shit you not, by nine o'clock. When I was far, far from the hotel, I was like, "This is this is hot to run in, like hot, hot." And I was running up a mountain. But hold on, Colson, you started off at seven, yeah, and then at nine, it occurred to you it might get hot. Yeah, that's a four-hour run. It's two. Yeah, two, Jack. But he's got to run back. Oh, that's four. Oh, right. So he's gone on the marathon and gone, oh, it's got a bit hot today. Well, yeah, you've run the whole day. It was interesting, actually, because it was hot, but I really, really, really liked it because I've kind of been, you know, imagining this in my head for so long sort of thing. Well, you've just been around Salford Keys for a bloody year. Literally, Trafford Industrial Estate, Jack. That That's where yeah. I've fallen in love with running in fucking Trafford Industrial Estate. <laughs> no better place. No better pl- Dodging those lorries. So Get it? Dodging the geese and the lorries. Hello. A runner was born. <laughs> so you're four hours deep into the Ibiza f- I- interior here. You've got no water, no friends. Have you got a mobile phone? I had water. I, I was using stuff sparingly. And in my, you know, I had different tops in my thing because I knew I was going to get hot and... Yeah, I mean, it, it was full on. It's the sort of thing that I've wanted to do for ages. And I got out there and ran up a mountain. And then, straight to the old bike hire. And it's like a bloody triathlon, isn't it? <laughs> oh, you went straight on the bike, even though it was hot. Your mum's going to tear your arse apart here. This doesn't bode well, does it? <laughs> I, got, I got in after a four-hour run and I did a 55-mile bike ride. No, yeah. I, I, I think I did about 20k on the bike. But the bike was good until I cramped up. I was like, oh, God, I'm, I've cramped up on day one of the holiday. <laughs> what am I going to do? Um, so, yeah, so now tom- tomorrow is the big day, really. So tomorrow's like I'm debating whether I wake up and run in the morning or whether I just do the thing that I've created in my head, which is Tour de Tapas, which I know is French and Spanish mixed together. <laughs> but this this is the plan. It's a tour of tapas. It literally, I want to do a lap of the island. I think it'll be about 80, it might be 100k, maybe. On a bike? On a bike, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to run that, Jesus. Oh, 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 yeah, 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 oh, there's my stupid me. I'm not going to run four hours in the heat, Ben. Um, Cycling around the island could be quite cool. 
stopping off different beaches, different tapas. Like, because ideally, the, the, why I'm calling it the Tour de Tapas is because you need to keep eating and eating. And obviously, the thing that I completely forgot about holidays, not just holidays, sorry, the thing I forgot about Spain and southern Spain is um, siestas. <laughs> the little yeah. naps. Everything fucking shuts, doesn't it? At one mm. till f- like five. Because it's so hot. Yeah. And because I'm starving, having just done exercise, and there's no restaurants open, I'm like, what am I going to do? So I, I now I've got that in my head. I'm thinking Torre Tapas is going to be perfect. Are you in a hotel, though? Yeah, I'm in a hotel, yeah. Can't you, like, go for breakfast and you, you nick the little rolls... And you nick the cheese and the ham. I'm going to need these later. Exactly, my, yeah. I'm going to my 100k bite ride. You make your little pat lunch. You can, and it, that's exactly what my mum said. So she made me get the like bed and breakfast option. But when you return from your run after 11 o'clock, <laughs> there's no longer a breakfast option. So I missed out on that today. Oh, so you're setting off before breakfast opens. Yeah, yeah. So then, right, running faster than I was coming. So tomorrow, tomorrow I will be tomorrow I will be on it sort of thing. But yeah, it, it's great. It's hot. The views are stunning. Um, had some unbelievable food. Like that's that's the bit you miss about being away, isn't it? Just that kind of mm. you know, I'm doing the same shit I do in England, but it's just it's just better and kind of already feeling better what have you two been up to um follow on from that <laughs> i know follow on from that you can't really i went to um you text me actually call so i think you saw on um my instagram i went to a restaurant that i think me and you will both like they do pizza it's in manchester it's really nice it's american pizza from detroit yeah detroit so, pizza yeah that's long it. way i know yeah <laughs> well it's in manchester but the reason I'm telling you this is there's, it's all set in like a bit of a teepee outside. Very Detroit. You all, <laughs> you all cram into this teepee. Socially distant, of course. Socially distant, of course. <laughs> and there's all sort of like neighbouring tables around the teepee. And we were on one of them. And then what's happened in Manchester that happens all the time is it rains. And I'm looking at these clouds thinking, these look, these look naughty. Anyhow, this rain flies down this teepee and just pisses all onto our table. Oh, did you get the teepee sag? (laughs) Literally like a waterfall to the point where we had to stand up and vacate like quick. The staff had to come in and grab us plate. I mean, it was, it was a, it was a grab whatever you can fast because the water was just coming down like a river on our table to what, to which all the restaurant immediately started filming us. Oh no, Chad. The entire restaurant and everybody who was dry on their tables immediately got their phones out like it was just a reaction to do and started to film us getting piss wet through. So is that on Instagram now, one of those social things? I don't know. I've not looked. Don't worry, Ben, I'll find it. <laughs> um so hold on though. So what's that? No pizza. Yeah, they managed to grab everything and as coats and everything and we had to try and mercy dash to a different table because it's quite hard to get into isn't it that place or is it easier now well we went on a sunday i think you just have to you have to book and you have to sort of like leave a deposit which is clever because not many people do that but they have live music and they have djs and stuff like that but uh it's good me and us three will go when it first opened up i tried to order a takeaway from there and i ordered a takeaway successfully for collection 
I thought that that takeaway would be for that day. (laughs) Well, people, you have to pre-order your takeaways because it was that busy. So I ordered a takeaway for like three weekends time. Oh (laughs) my God. Went in to collect it and I went, better cancel that. But I was like... People, it's like they imagine that you know what you're going to have for tea in fucking August. I know, yeah. You ain't got a clue. <laughs> <laughs> birthday meal, Ben? Oh, my brother came. All right. Yeah, That's we good. had a birthday meal. I haven't seen him in two years. And now he's going off to live in America, so I won't see him for another year. So I saw him <laughs> for one day in three years. For one night only. <laughs> for one night only. But it's one of those things, isn't it, with your brother? We, your family go, all right, yeah, all right. <laughs> what you been? <laughs> what you been up to? I'll tell you what though, his dog fucking came, Milo. Fuck me, he's one of those. What are they called? What do they dogs they have now? Like a cockadoodle, <laughs> a doodle, cockapoo, cockapoo. That's it. Dead aggressive. Are they? Well, this one, Milo's not at all. Milo is like soft as shit, and the meat's <laughs> fucking star. Stars at the door. Oh, it's game on. I've got a friend staying. I've got a play date. <laughs> and poor Milo's just looking at me going, this is relentless. In the garden. Come on, in the garden. Fight, fight, roll. Onto the stairs. <laughs> stairs, stairs, fight, roll. Onto the bed, roll. Onto the sofa, roll, roll. The poor dog, poor Milo's just looking at me going, please help me, please. <laughs> and, then, and then when it's got food, so our dog, Star, when you put the food down, eats like... He's never going to get fed again, yeah. Yeah, like, woof, coughs, straight down. Milo just does a bit of a graze. <laughs> I might have a bit, I might not. Star, Star just looks and goes, oh, oh yeah, uh, you snooze, you lose. Straight in, straight into the kibble. <laughs> She's like this, I'm like, oh shit. Milo's looking at me going, what's happening to me? <laughs> so, so I switch off the light to send them to bed. Star's got a basket, right? She sleep downstairs. She sleeps downstairs, never upstairs. Right. Sleeps downstairs. It's just a better it's a whole better thing yeah. all around. But we've got this basket, probably from Aldi, which is like <laughs> super <laughs> lovely. It it's put it's super lovely. Like I'd sleep in it. It's plush, it's like velory stuff. Lovely. Um Milo didn't have anything. And then Milo did a little trot trot to try and get in the fucking basket. And Star was like... And he went, oh, trot it off. He sort of he did a kind of human thing. Trot, trot, trot. Oh, that's not going to go very well. Oh, fuck off. Oh, God. Very good. Very good cereal one. Milo left very happy, I think, knackered. Uh, and Star had a good time. So that was my... That was my day. Well, it sounds like you've um, you've both been having adventures, yeah. Which is a nice little yeah. segue well, into the adventure film. Could... No, shut up! I'm on one then. Hold that was the good. Fuck on I, I was about to cut on. you off as well to talk about something else, but I was like, I'll let him. I'll let that happen. He's stealing stealing my job. Do you know what the fuck's happening here? You've shat on him, and you've shat on me. To be fair, Ben's reviews <laughs> took a bit of a hit the other day. <laughs> And then you've mooched into Jack's Hidden Gem and he's thought, right, fuck you. I can do a link. I can do a fucking link. And I just shut on his link. He was good if I hadn't shut on him. <laughs> so carry on. So that's, and that's what happened with the dog. <laughs> so they're good adventures, which leads us into, as film, where another group of people go on adventures. It's Ben's turn to do the synopsis. Yes. Got out of that one. It's very easy synopsis. 
1959, four 12 year old boys go on a 48 hour adventure in search of a dead body. Uh, in that 48 hours, they find out more about themselves and uh, them growing from young teenage boys into young men. And at the end of it, we get to know them all a bit better and they know themselves better. Yeah. This film has come up in the audience choice before and didn't get picked. And I remember Ben being gutted when it didn't get picked. It means a lot to me, this film. I think it was more than just a film. I relate a lot to what the boys are talking about. A lot to that kind of childhood. Obviously, I didn't grow up in America, but that feeling... That feeling of being a bit different or being on the edge of something. Uh, so when I watched this, it really appealed to me. So I think it was that. Uh, and it was a big film when I was younger. Big, big, big film. Everyone had seen it. It was it was one that you had to see. How did you both watch it? I watched it with my son. First time he's seen it? First time he's seen it. And I really wanted to watch it with him. Not easy to get him to watch it. Right. Okay, Dad, uh, right, I'll see the preview. <laughs> trailer. He watches the trailer and then goes, oh, I'm not sure. I'm going to get some Rice Krispies or some shit. I was like, you can't eat those while you're watching the film. Because, okay, uh, okay, I'll watch it. Uh, which is like, like, oh, okay. But it was very nice. So uh, we watched it last night and I watched it with him and I really wanted to watch it with him. Mm. It was a real moment for me because mm. it was a real... He's 12 mm. and they're 12. And it's a very, I think it's a really tight Stephen King little little film, little story. I never, ever realised it was Stephen King until obviously right at the end. I watched the whole credits because obviously the credits has a great tune. And when it said, based on the novel of The Body, Stephen King, I was like, I, I never, ever would have assumed that whatsoever because I always imagined Stephen King to be like horrifying thrillers sort of thing. Yeah. Because I'm thinking of like films like The Shining and Pet Cemetery, and they're kind of the ones that... And on obviously Netflix, don't they kind of own Stephen King's rights now? Because they're just popping out these horrors all the time. And I just never imagined him to have been able to write a story like that. Mm. Well, he did The Green Mile as well, didn't he, in Shawshank Redemption? I think he's in the same book group as Shawshank. I think it's small, short stories he wrote that were expanded into films. Right. It's the same part as Shawshank. So he's also writing... I suppose there is a dark element to it, then. The yeah. boys, are, four boys who are 12 are going to find a dead body. Yeah. Well, the, the voiceover where it says, I was 12 years old the first time I ever saw a dead body. I was like, oh, so that's what it's about. <laughs> yeah. And Jack, wait, how did you see it? Well, my... Son, Ruben, he's been asking to watch this film for a long time. Um, Nyla's seen it with me before when she was younger. And Ruben, we'd never got round to watching it. There was always something else on to watch. And every now and again, he'd say, Dad, come and watch Stand By Me, come and watch Stand By Me. And I've gone, yeah, 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 yeah. And I've not put it off, but there were always something else on that we chose. And I said to him, Ruben, we can definitely watch it this weekend because... I've got to cover it on the podcast. So he was really excited about it. So, um, yeah, I watched it with uh, my kids. I think they really enjoyed it. I think they did. I know Nyla does. I know Nyla did. And but Ruben was slightly bemused about it the whole way through, in a way. He kept on sort of asking, like, what is what is the plot? 
there, there, there really isn't one, is there? In no, a way, it's a coming of age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I did just say it is. It's literally Ruben. It's, it's just sort of like about them and that time in their lives. It's just them as friends, what they get up to. Just then, that's it. Yeah, it's a beginning, mm. beginning of their lives. Yeah, I watched it um, on the plane. Ah. We did talk about that, and uh, was it all right? I completely feel like it did it justice. I mean, I have quite a, I have a one of the big iPads, don't I? So I, I watched it on that, and yeah, enjoyed it. Had the old headphones on, so you couldn't hear anybody else. And isn't it weird how a film does just makes you forget where you are? Mm. Like you, 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 you can just get lost in a film, can't you? Really easily. And mm. I think that film you can because it's so accessible. You get into the story very, very quickly because he sends you back. You open Richard Dreyfuss's character, the older version. Doing the voiceover. Doing the voiceover and then going back over the time they saw this dead body. And then you you quickly nip back. You float back to 1959 when he was a kid and then you're in it quick. Like they mention the dead body really quickly, Weird, yeah. don't they? Mm. Like from a writing point of view, I was looking at thinking, God, he doesn't mess around. No. It's an hour and a half and he's in. But it's the talent of them boys, I think, isn't it? Like, just those four lads, they do seem so charismatic. They seem to bounce off each other so well. Yeah. And they're only like 11, 12, 13. And they just seem so confident. I don't know. They, they just. I suppose it's a brilliant script. They spent two weeks with each other when they were cast. Right. Just mucking around, playing games, and then... The lad who played the lead said, by the end of the two weeks, they went to a special improvisational teacher who just played games with them for two weeks. Mm. They stayed in this hotel and got to know each other. And he said, actually, what a lot of what you see is them eventually just mucking around. They found their level between each other yeah. and their humour. Yeah. And that was them just messing around as kids. River Phoenix? River Phoenix, yeah. And he would have had... A blistering career ahead of him, wasn't he? Well, I suppose he sort of did anyway after this, didn't he? Wasn't he the biggest star until right up until he died? He was probably unknown then. Mm. Not as known then in Stand By Me. That really was his opening. Young, amazing performance. Very charismatic, yeah. I think it was for all of them. It was pretty amazing. As Jack said, they're pretty young to put in those kind of performances. I think Phoenix was a bit older. I think he was like 15. Who's Phoenix then, the lead? So he plays Chris. Chris Chambers, the guy with the shaved head. Yeah. The kind of leader. Who wears the glasses? Corey Feldman. Yeah. What else is he in? He's in the Goonies. Goonies. I, I thought it was... I didn't want to sound stupid, so I didn't want to say it, but I was. I thought it no, was. he's in the Goonies. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he, he has a very... He just looks... He kind of... It jumped out to me straight away. So very early on in the film, we see all of them together, don't they? Don't we? In their den, and he says he's overheard his brother talking about a dead body. Yeah, and that's very set up very well with the way they take the piss out of him. Yeah. Then he eventually says it, and they go, "Right, should we go?" Yeah. They're straight into it, aren't they? It's interesting as well because at the age of twelve, everybody wants or had a den, didn't they? That was the thing, you know. Everyone wanted a treehouse or you had a place in the woods. Yeah. I remember as a kid, like, that childhood escape of having something of your own was so important. And you 
get that feeling straight away of they're in their safe space. They're playing the games. They're doing what they want to do. They're away from adults sort of thing. And it, it does just set the film up really nicely. And like you said, Ben, it doesn't take them long to decide. Sorry, it doesn't take the film long to tell you what's going to happen. Exactly. It's, as Jack said, it's, it's a very simple plot. Yeah. We're going to walk and find a dead body. Mm. And actually they go, well, we can lie enough if we also were staying at each other's houses to get nearly 48 hours a day and a, a night and then another day to walk. Yeah. What's it, 20 miles or something? And th- so they all decide they can do it, don't they? they they're all going to club their money together. Well, they forget about food. They've just got bedding. Have they just got beds and water? Yeah. And then River Phoenix's character, this is very clever as well, brings a gun. Mm. And it's loaded. And you see the very early bit, he goes, well, I've got it out my dad's bureau. And he fires it. And you think, what kind of dad's that? Who's not going to miss a gun? Not lock a gun up. Let it go missing. Exactly. And take the bullets. And the fact he takes a gun, a loaded gun. And you kind of see as well from the gang that the brothers are in, that there isn't much hope for them. Sutherland. Yeah. it It took me, like, the whole film... I was going, who is that? Who is that? Who Couldn't Google it. I mean, fucking yeah. thousand feet in the air. So I watched the credits and I saw that and I was like, Jack Bauer, that's who it is. Yeah. Yeah. He's a great baddie because you instantly hate him. Yeah. He was having a massive moment then in the 80s, a huge moment. Yeah, he was in Lost Boys. Yeah. Wasn't he? He was having a huge moment. Like, he was a big teen star. And you're right, just really good at that menacing perfect lead menacing guy yeah right so we're on the train tracks then that scene where river phoenix kind of says right who who brought the food and none of them have brought the food and they all kind of clubbing their money he he gets what does he get something like three dollars i'll tell you what he gets exactly he gets two dollars 37 so it's two three seven and that's the number that shows up in the uh room in the shining Another Stephen King film. Ah. Hello. Someone's back with his own section, Jack's Hidden Facts. I don't know why, but that number keeps on popping up in Stephen King novels, 237. And that's how much money they've got, $2.37. He spends it well, I think. Yeah, well, it's 1959, isn't it? So what's a bottle of Coke? It's probably going to cost 10p, something like that. Then he goes, what's he going for there? Meat, Burke, Patty... Like burgers. Yeah. And while he's in the shop buying the stuff, you already find that each of our characters, apart from the kind of lad who they take the piss out of. Vern. Is he Vern? Vern. They've got Will Heaton's character, Gordy. Yeah. His brother's died, hasn't he? Yeah. And the shopkeeper talks about his brother. His brother was this all kind of American kind of jock. And they all loved him and the dad loved him. And you see elements of that very early on that... There's that real sadness with each of the boys. And how quickly does the sadness get to you? That first shot of his mum putting the washing out, Yeah, it hits you straight away. Like, you really feel... I, I thought this when I was watching it. I was like, I don't know why, but you really feel connected to a character that you you, you don't even know who his, who his brother is when you realise he's... You know, the scene with that, where's the hat? It's in his room. Mm-hmm. Straight away, it gets you, doesn't it, a little bit, that? I think it's because there's nothing said, isn't there? Yeah. Real. It feels real. And it seems quiet and lonely. Yeah. And they've kept the bedroom the same. So he goes in for the cap, his brother's cap. And then 
Keith Sutherland character nicks the cap. Yeah. And you just think, oh, God, it's his brother's cap. What a dick. I mean, it's all set up so quickly. River Phoenix's dad gives him a gun, lets him have a gun. So you think, well, River Phoenix's dad, that's a fucking terrible home life. Mm. Uh, Gordy's home life's terrible. His brother's dead. And his parents don't care about his him. His parents don't care. And then... Um, What's his face? His character's dad is a loony, burns his ear, which they say right at the very start. So within the first five, ten minutes, you realise they've all got terrible home lives. Yeah. And they live for each other. Yeah. And they live for out to getting out the home. So we're having a bit of a pit stop and we're at the old scrapyard where we're going to fill up with water. This point, I get the tap on the shoulder of, can you fold your tray table away and put your iPad away, we're about to take off. So I'm like, oh, bloody hell. We had to go up in air and then I had to get it back out again. Then you were back on? Yeah. Because I want. I was keen to watch the film. So as soon as I got on the plane and got sat in, as soon as the people who were sat next to me were sat next to me, I just banged it on. And then you've got your headphones in, you're away from the kerfuffle, aren't you? Yeah. So yeah, so I I, I missed... Like I, did, I had a 20-minute break when we took off. What would you go for in the shop? You've got to feed us, me and Jack... You've got 12 quid, not 237. You've got 12 pound. This is a bit like Jack at the services on the way back from Wales. That's about what he spent as well, I think. Yeah, but you're a kid, so you're just going to get kids stuff, aren't you? Yeah. Well, he got burgers, didn't he? Yeah. Well, you've got to get stuff that's cheap that's going to fill you up. Loaf of bread. <laughs> just just loaf of bread and I've saved 11 pounds. I'll cater to all of you, yeah? Yeah. So, Jack, can of full fat coke. That's a quid gone. Yeah. Um, Jack, bag of them chilli sensations. Yeah. It's a quid 50, in it? Then what else? Ah, and Jack, uh, kin- Kinder Bueno. Kinder Bueno, yeah. That's two quid, in it? So £4.50 gone on Jack. Ben, I'd get, I think I'd get you a bottle of water. Wine gums. If there's no wine gums, sports mix. Sports mix. <laughs> An apple banana, he'd probably have some of that. A bit of fruit, yeah, yeah, yeah. Apple banana, I'm done. I'm probably four quid there. I'm on four quid. And then I'd just spend the rest on scratch cards and outfit best. <laughs> <laughs> How much are scratch cards now? Are they a pound a or two? A pound or two quid. Oh, you can, you, can get, you can get some pretty plump ones for a tenner, you know. <laughs> oh, no, you've blown that. Imagine you came back and you went, okay. I didn't get you any fucking food. I just got you a big scratch card. Oh, we can't eat that. Okay, so we've all bought some food and we've gone to the scrapyard for water. You're back off the plane. You're back on the iPad. We're back watching. But what an awful scene with the scrap man through the gate. He just sort of like really gets into him, yeah. It's Duchamp gets into Corey Feldman's character. Is it Teddy? Eddie Duchamp? Teddy. Teddy, yeah, Teddy, Teddy yeah. He says he, yeah. He says his dad's a loony. Yeah, and you find out more then, don't you, the fact that his dad's actually in, obviously, a secure unit, sort of a hospital, um, and because of the fact that he tried to burn his son's ear, and he, Teddy regards his dad as a hero because, obviously, he served, he was a vet sort of thing, so there's quite a lot on it for him, and basically, this scrap man just kills his hero, doesn't he? Like, literally annihilates him. And it also makes you, you become at one with those characters because you think, fuck, what chance have you got? Mm. What chances have you got? You've been born into that. You've already got no chance. And so the the bit, the story about them being on this trip already has changed. You forget about the body 
and you think about he cries, doesn't he? Yeah, he's, he's devastated. Yeah, I think that Gordy he makes an interesting point, doesn't he? He says he he finds it mad that this Corey Feldman, what's Corey Feldman's character called again? Teddy. Teddy. Teddy says how he can speak so highly of his dad. Yeah, and his dad is his hero. Talks yeah. about him all the time, but yeah, he's is is in, in some sort of hospital because he's got mental problems, and he burnt his ear on a stove. And yeah. Gordy's dad like doesn't even know that he, he he lives in the same house as him. That's how much of a relationship they've got. Yeah, great scene though when he releases the dog on them, and he's going to bite. Sick his balls. No, what he said there was My sick. Head was falling off. But what I heard was sick balls. Balls. Yeah, he goes sick, and he's he's going to bite my ball. The dog's going to bite my balls off. Yeah, yeah. that was that is just such a great. There's some great moments where you then remember their kids as well. Yeah, so yeah. he sets it up very well. Their kids, because they're laughing. The fuck, you know, when you got a thing at a kid and you get caught and you're laughing your tits off, but it's quite serious. Mm. But you can't stop laughing. So they're doing that. The dog's going to bite his balls off. Then it gets really nasty. The one thing that annoyed me when it got nasty was, you know, like he's saying, come at me, come, let me come back here and I'll kill you, sort of thing. Why don't you just open the gate? No, it's locked, isn't it? They have to climb over. But he'll have a key. He's, it's his. Yeah, but I mean, it's not a, it's not a horror. Then he kills them all and that's the end. That was the hole <laughs> in the film for me. Was if, if that was one of my films, you'd have been picking up that up on that. No, no, the point was, he was a bully. He wasn't going to get into it with them. He was a bully. And he was frustrated. The point was, he didn't want to hurt him physically. He did that that really mean thing that adults can do to kids. I think if it turned to violence, he would have got in trouble. He's a grown man beating up 12-year-old kids. He destroyed his life. Yeah. And he just he does the bit that no no kid wants to hear, which is the, I know your parents, I'll make a phone call and all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, but also I know your parents and your dad, what's he call him? A loony? You're a loony? Yeah. Yeah. Really upsetting. So they walk off and they've got each other, haven't they? So they're back on the train tracks. And obviously the one thing about train tracks is they are sometimes home to trains. (laughs) (laughs) That old one. That old one. And what would you do? Because I was thinking this and I'm like, surely you've got enough time. You just sit and wait for a train to go and then you follow that one instantly, don't you? Then you know you're safe. But no. Uh, I'd do exactly what they did. Just keep walking. Keep my ears and keep my wits about me, and then I'd be like, well, I can see it coming in any direction. I liked it when Gordy touched the rails. I'd do that. Touch the rails. And put, you, put your ear to them, yeah, see if you can hear it. I can hear it. It's 16 miles away. Yeah. But of course, for the film, it's much better. They decide to cross that. Vern is on all fours. Yeah, <laughs> that would be me. Not good with heights. That would be you. Uh, Shepard be at the front. <laughs> I'd be at the back, making sure that everyone, no one gets squashed. You'd be trying to get me sped up. Hurry up. Try, come on. And then out of the nowhere, he f- touches the railings, doesn't he? And then realises, then sees the steam and realises, oh, the train's coming. And then they have to run. And that bit in the cinema, when I first watched it, is absolutely brilliant. Even now, it looks good. I mean, you can tell where the train actually isn't there, but it looks bloody good to say, how old's that film? 1985. Well, it was a it was a real train. It took six days to film all that, and they basically just put it on this really really far lens so that they could get focus on the two boys 
Um, and the train behind would look really close, but it was actually miles away from them. So that's why the train looks so clear. So yeah. it's just in focus rather than being CGI. Mm. It's something like a 600 millile- um, millimeter lens, I think it oh, was. That was brilliant bit. Yeah. But they had a bit where you saw Gordy's character, not Gordy, um, what's his face, uh, stand on the train line and... Uh, Teddy. Teddy Duchamp stand on Want, the train that wants to play chicken with the train. But the train's quite close to them when he, he pulls them out, doesn't he? Yeah. They all have to run away from the train. River Phoenix, uh, Chris, they make it, and actually the other two jump off, don't they? But they make it. Yeah. So then they say, look, let's take a shortcut through the field. Mm. That way we'll knock some time off. It would knock one hour of walking, we'll knock it a whole day or something, and they get to a swamp. Gordy and Vern aren't that keen on taking a shortcut, though, are they? No. But then Vern's always at the back, going, I don't think so. And, of course, they all fuck off, don't they? Time to set up camp. And they get quite a good setup, don't they? I know. Who can who can do that? Can you do that, course? Can you do that, Jack? Get set fire started. With the tent pegs and whatnot. I mean, it's a ball ache. Tell you what, got a great story for you here. Um, so, me and my best friend, Jack, not this Jack, it's other Jack, um, went camping in Windermere and it was in like the middle of summer it was great we went camping but um, we put the tent up and well there was no pegs in the in the bag so Are we, you in a random field now? No it, it was like legal camping it wasn't illegal sort of thing Okay So I said to Jack I don't know what we're going to do like because the tent will blow away like we was going into Windermere sort of thing so we just put rocks in the each corner of the tent kept it there Anyway, wake up in the morning, and I turn around to Jack, and I'm like, sleep well, and he's like, yeah, all right, and I'm like, yeah, not bad, I said, I had this fucking thing digging into my back all night, he went, yeah, me too, anyway, we put, I said, I think we slept on like some rocks, anyway, we pulled the tent up, and we'd slept on the bag of pegs. <laughs> oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> very, very good accountant, no flies on you, you slept on the... That's all we used to do as a like family holidays. We just used to go camping to the Isle of Man. Like that was all we ever used to do. We used to camp when we were younger, not as family, but a group of lads. And you used to go to the pub. We used to camp in Scotland. You go to the pub and get a bit drunk, and then you go back to the tent. And my mate got a bit ill, couldn't make it fully out of the tent. Oh no. And was sick Mm. at the entrance to the tent and then went to sleep. Yeah. We woke up in the morning and you couldn't get out the tent because it was was full of sick. The front bit was full of sick. Oh, God. Oh, it was awful. You know, some of the tents now are literally like five-bed semi-detached houses. (laughs) <laughs> well, they're flies in them don't they massive massive proper thing that's what I'd want to be in I want to be in one of those ones you throw up and it goes bing I would quite happily go camping if I had a mint tent and I didn't have to put it up yeah and a bed yeah but anyway they've just got a tent they've got a fire and they've got some s'mores haven't they old Vern's got his own technique stuck in his ways and then when it falls in, it's fucking great when it falls in and everyone rips the shit out of him. Then he gets it back and he goes, yeah, I get it back. Um, so then they're just about to go to sleep and the wolves start, don't they? Or the ghost. 
or the ghost. But it's like coyotes, wolves. It's a full at night kind of shit. So then they shit themselves and decide someone's got to stand watch with a gun. With a gun, though. The loaded gun. Yeah, I know. Um, which is a classic I always think for, yeah, you go, yeah, 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 don't worry, I'll keep watch, fall straight asleep. Yeah. You would, Shep. You'd go, no, actually, you wouldn't. You could be a, you could be on guard all night because you don't sleep. Yeah. <laughs> Who's going on guard first? Shepherd. He'd be brilliant <laughs> all night. Me and Colson would be absolutely out. I was thinking, you know the bit where they're on guard, other than Teddy... They're all kind of probably on their own filming that, aren't they? And Vern, who just has that little bit, probably the minute around the tree with the noises, absolutely smashes that. And it's probably one of the few scenes they did without each other. Mm. I mean, obviously, it's comical, but it just just, made me laugh. I liked it. And then you've got Teddy, who thinks he's his dad sort of thing, army sergeant. And then you've got... um... Gordy, who has the nightmare. Yeah. Nightmare about his brother. Is that, is that the nightmare where he's at the funeral and his dad touches him and said, it should have been you? Yeah. Before that, actually, the brilliant campfire story where he tells the story about that lad in the eating contest. Mm. The pie-eating contest, which is a brilliant bit in the film, isn't it? It is really good. And Rob Reiner, the director of this film, calls. It's the same director of When Harry Met Sally. Yeah. Did you know that? Which we've covered on the podcast. Yeah, we? we gave it a 10. We did. Um, he was uh, he was very unsure about putting this bit in the film because he wasn't sure about how to direct it because obviously it's it's got to have come from a child's imagination and he wanted to keep it sort of on that premise as well and so it would be slightly different from the film. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So he decided just to go full guns extreme. Yeah. And just make it ridiculous. Uh, so that it sort of stands out from the rest of the film. And I think it's a great part in the film, and I, I, I really enjoyed it, and everybody's throwing up. And It's really bright, lots of white, great costumes. Mm. I, it's, almost like a, it's almost like a dream sequence, isn't it? Yeah. And it is, it's very good. And again, it's another outcast tale in a film that's almost about outcasts isn't it it's it kind of is yeah quite thin and it also shows gordy's imagination and his skill because you know if we were to suggest if we were to tell each other a story or to suggest something to each other you just suggest it don't you whereas he's suggesting a story and you're actually seeing his actual suggestion as a final product which is a weird bit that's clever but you see that it kind of works yeah it's very good and you're right an outsider yeah so they have that moment, but then they also have that moment at night where Gordy tells Chris about about his brother and then Chris tells Gordy, doesn't he, about his life. There's a lot about Chris about... And does Chris understands that he might never get out of that town. Yeah. And he will never amount to anything. And he's trapped. Them two really start to grow closer and closer, don't they? And there's the story about... Chris nicking the money, the milk money. He basically makes the point that it's always him and he will always be that and he can't be anything else. And this is just kind of this rogue that steals and that does things that you shouldn't do. He mentions yeah. his surname, doesn't he? What's what's his surname? Chris, Chris Chambers. He says, yeah, he says you're a Chambers. And 
Rob Bryan has talked about how he got that performance from River Phoenix. Is he was they were struggling to get um, the emotion when um, he broke down towards the end, and he just said to him, he says, "Imagine a moment in your life that's happened when an adult has let you down, or somebody who's really close to you has done something to you that that really upset you and let you down in life." And um, River Phoenix just dwelled on something that had happened to him. Yeah, I thought it was really brilliant piece of acting from then too, really. Yeah, amazing piece of acting. And all the lads came away with saying, growing up now and saying that they they believe that Rob Reiner is a, a true actor's director. And that's a phrase that gets thrown around a lot, isn't it? And the guy, is it Will? Who's the guy who plays Gordy, Ben? Will? Will Heaton, and he, Yeah, and he Wheaton. didn't... Yeah, he didn't know what that phrase was, an actor's director. And, and he says he, he learned, obviously, it's just someone who spends a lot of time with the actor, really, just trying to get the most out of their performance. Sets a shot. Yeah. And then leaves the shot and sits with the actor and goes, I think this is what it's about. Yeah. Some directors don't even come up to the actor. Which is interesting because... As the three of us can look at this from a different point of view, because the three of us are all actors, mm. you'd want to work with the actor's director, wouldn't you? Because, yeah. you know, when when you're doing a short project like a film or something where you're only playing a character for a short period of time, there's so many ideas and there's so many different things you can do with that. And having a director who is, you know, wants to help and wants to get it right, which it sounds like Rob was. Wants sort to of push. Thing. Wants to push. Yeah. Because that actually launched River Phoenix. That one performance, that one five minutes, completely launched him because it's a blow-away moment. Jack, you probably found this as well. Starting young, Mm. you don't have any inhibitions. So if you're acting and someone tells you to do something, you can do it without thinking about it. Whereas when you get to that sort of um, 15, 16, 17 age, when someone then gives you a note, you kind of, the thought of, Oh, I, this is silly. I'm stupid. Yeah, I'm not going to be able to do that. That comes into your head like those intrusive thoughts. But when you're a kid, it is just impulses, and mm. so having something like that is ideal, really. And that's probably why their performances are so strong. Yeah. But even Cody's reaction to it, like it, it is just, it's a great scene. And then they wake up in the morning, and. It, one, it's almost like it's never happened, but it's the first shot, I think, where they're then walking in twos, isn't it? No, the first shot, Gordy's character reading a comic on the train line and a deer... Ah, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the deer comes and looks at him and he looks at the deer and the deer goes. And the significance of that is meant to be the deer represents innocence and that there's still innocent things in the world, but that innocence is leaving them. They're having a realisation about themselves. But that moment with, in the whole of that film, I just think there's some extraordinary moments. That moment with the deer is just amazing. It's like you transfix as he is by this deer and he never tells them about it. It's the only bit in the story he never tells them all about the deer. Shall we take a shortcut through the woods? I hated this. The leeches. Oh, made me feel sick. So this pond that they sort of made for the film they made it because obviously they wanted to know exactly what was in it because they were putting kids in the pond so it couldn't just be a pond we found they dug this pond and then they filled it with water but 
Corey Feldman noticed that they dug this pond in June, did most of the filming, then filmed the pond sequence in August. So for two months, wildlife and everything's just grown in it, so they didn't even know what were in it anyway. <laughs> and then just went, jump in, kids. <laughs> jump in. Have a, so they, get, they say they can cross it, can't they? Yeah. And there's a great bit where he goes, don't worry, I put the stick in, we're fine. All four of them walk in and fall straight in. And what's great is he's, he's put the camera right in the water, isn't he? Mm. You're right in there with them like you're one of the children. Yeah. And they're still almost, there's that childlike bit in them that still wants to play and mess about in the water, isn't there? And he's like, God, he would be me, like, just get me the fuck out of this water, like, now. Ruben's head fell off a bit at this point. What, about being in the water? Yeah, because Nyla started going, oh, I remember this bit. And I went, oh, yeah, the leeches. And Ruben went, what are they? And I went, it's these bugs that go on and they suck the blood out of you. I mean, saying that to a seven-year-old, you can imagine oh, his, his yeah. head fell off. and he was Especially like, when they had one on his willy. And he went, what am I about to watch? I went, don't worry, it's fine. So then obviously the leech is out. And then you see him, don't they? You see him. And they look like little Haribo sweets. Yeah. Don't they? And they're sort of like picking them up and getting them all off. He looks down his pants. They take them all off. He looks down his pants. And he starts to almost cry, and you think, "Oh no, he's not got one on his." He's torch. got one on there, and they all sort. They all sort of know without him showing, don't they? And then yeah. they, they see he pulls the that leech and it's covered. Yeah. In blood. And the thing that's yeah. never done well is the reveal of the handful of blood, but it actually works in that because you just go, "Oh, leech on balls, awful." Ruben went to bed, and I, that, later on that night, and I did have to check him. He made me check him everywhere for leeches. Oh, that's to sweet. make sure that we're not on him. Can you check me down for yeah, Don't yeah. worry, we're not in the. But I know, but just. I know, yeah. He went, there's none. He went. There won't be any. There won't be any here. Well, I went nods. No, no. Don't worry, son. Just, just the ticks. You've got to watch out for. <laughs> oh God, yeah. I know, crikey, I've been there, haven't I? Tick on balls. Oh. Um. So we've done leeches. They dry off. Yep. Close back on. He kind of says, "Look, the leech is nothing. We've got this far. We're going to keep going. We'll be there in a few hours." Yeah. And they get there, and they find the body. And you see the body. I wasn't sure about that. But his reaction, it's like the other three are still quite up for it. They find the body, and they think, God, they're going to get that big reward, aren't they? It's like Mm. Mm. $2,000. And and they're going to be famous. And they're going to be famous. And Gordy's like, this isn't right, man. This is not right. And then just as they're talking about it, Keitha, 24 hours later, (laughs) Keitha Sutherland turns up. And goes, right, lads, this is our body. Yeah. And pulls a knife on Chris Chambers. And who is it who has the gun? Is it Gordy? Yeah, Gordy shoots the gun in the air and he says, that's enough. You don't touch him. And it is, that's the bit of them not being kids. That's them being even, isn't it? And equal. The innocence is gone. You pull a knife, we pulled a gun. Mm. And actually, I will fire it at you. Mm. I've lost my brother. I don't care. He's been enough of a dick for you to want him, like, or to believe that he's got the ability to do it. And it's a great moment at the end, isn't it? It's a great moment that they finish on and they do, they they anonymously ring up, they find the body, no one ever knows who found the body. And then you go back to Richard Dreyfuss' character who starts talking about what happened to them all. Um, and then you see him as a writer, grown up with his own kids. Looked a bit like Matt Hancock. <laughs> <laughs> did you think yeah 
as the kids come into the room, we see the typewriter, don't we? And it has those famous words of, I'll never have friends like the ones I had the age of 12. Well, you kind of learn, though, that Chris Chambers has just died. I mean, I know you learn it at the beginning. Yeah. Don't yes. you, when he's reading the newspaper? Yes. You don't know who Chris Chambers is then. Yeah, so sort of like halfway through, you kind of... I, I don't know for some reason, but it happens to me every time I watch the film. You kind of forget that at the very beginning you learn that he's dead. And then at the end, he sort of writes it on the computer that and he, he was a lawyer. he talks about it as well, doesn't yeah. he? He says he stops a fight. Yeah, and he got stabbed, he in, the stabbed throat in the throat and dies. And it's sort of like you've seen this great summer that you had with this character yeah. and what a nice boy, what a nice guy he is. And all the way, you sort of like see his whole life in just a few sentences, don't you? He got out the town. He made made a life of himself. He got a career. He was a lawyer. He's a real nice guy. Always do the right thing. He's tried to break up a fight, dead. And then that's that's it. That's the end of the story for Chris Chambers. And it's sort of heartbreaking. Yeah. And... Because yeah. he's still that kid to you in the yeah. film, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. And you think, God, he did so well. Mm. And just at the end. Mm. When the film ends, it is, it's Gordy and Chris Chambers that you're cheering for because them two are still friends and they don't see much of the other two and it kind of is all on that. And then obviously you find out the news. So it, yeah, it, it's a it's a kind of sad end that is the reason the film's been made, isn't it? Because that's the reason of the memoir. And then it's... And darling, darling, stand by me. Um, yeah, and the song comes in, yeah. Whilst I have a sing song, shall we rate it? Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. So, singing over... Time to rate it. I'm going to go 8.4. It's a point four. It's not 8.5. No. And the point four is going to a point for each of the lads. I think these type of films that sort of came out, I mean, we've talked about them a million times. You know, The Goonies, Karate Kid, E.T. And I think even now they still do stand the test of time. They still do because it's it's still got those 
childhood memories that maybe it's an age thing. Maybe it, maybe it won't stand up in 20 years time. I don't know. But for the minute, my age group, I know certainly Ben's age group and even yours calls with your camping and your tent pegs, it's still something that we can draw on. Yeah. What we sort of did as kids and still sort of strike something with us, I think, that we can all relate to. Well, I think being 12 should never really change, should it? I just think the time that's, yeah, the time, like kids going off on adventures for two days, three days. I mean, that, that that's just doesn't happen now, can't happen. But you're growing up is the same, the pain of growing up. Yeah, I just think performance-wise, direction-wise, what he's done, what Rob Ryan has done with those young actors to get those performances out of them. And there's there's no special effects, there's no trickery, there's no plot. It's just them kids, it's just them kids talking to each other. And, yeah, I think, it's, for me, it's somewhere in the eights, and yeah, I'm going to go 8.4. Ben? Uh, yeah. I think it's everything Jack said. I think it's a very, very sophisticated film, which looks very, very simple. I think he's putting in huge kind of... There's great performances. You believe those kids. You believe what they're trying to do. The dead body, the lives they've had. They paint that picture all within an hour and 20-something minutes. Mm. I think that is unreal. By the time you get to the train, by the time you get to the camping, you're just rooting for them to have a better life. Uh, so it really struck with me. It's a film I can watch again and again, I suppose. So 10. I loved it. Um, nine. To get a nine on a plane, calls it's it's a big one. Nine on a plane. <laughs> it's a big one. I really, really liked it. It's obviously a film that I've heard so much about. I don't know why a film that I'd never choose to watch, but I would also I'd recommend that people do watch it now, I think. Um, I liked that whole getting out of the small town vibe. It made me want to be 12 again. And it made me think back to what I did when I was 12. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I'm glad you liked it, because I thought you would. I'm glad you got it. Like Jack said, it's a universal film. It's aged well, and the performances have aged well. So we've got 27.4. Strong up. Strong. Very strong. Now it's time for the reason that everybody listens to the podcast. Wow, come on. Don't talk yourself down, Coles. It's not <laughs> It's a big segment. It is, but I mean, it's, it's not just the reason. There's no denying it's a big segment. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. I don't like to talk about my segment. But if we must, it's Jack's, Jack's hidden gem of the week. <laughs> um, this week's hidden gem... It's a documentary that I've been watching this week, actually, and I've only just finished it. It's a five-parter, so you'll need a bit of time. It's on Sky Documentaries, it's just come out, so it's on Now TV as well, if you've got that. And it's called Murder at the Cottage, and it's directed by... (laughs) Listen, 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 stay with me. Stay with me. It's directed by... It's a che- uh, cheery one, then, would you say? It's a che- it's cheery Great one. Great for all it's... those that have booked some staycations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you off to a cottage? Ooh. Have you watched well, that one on now? <laughs> we live in a cottage. Oh, God, I don't know whether I want to hear this. Uh, it's uh, directed by uh, Irish filmmaker Jim Sheridan, who directed uh, In the Name of the Father, 
Oh yeah, big direction. My left foot, of course, with Daniel Day-Lewis. And um, yeah, he's directed this documentary because it's about a murder of a French girl off the west coast of Ireland in Cork uh, in 1996, Christmas. She was murdered and they never found her killer. And there was a lot of people who were suspects. There were quite a few arrests. There were even a trial. And they never got the person who did it. And he set out to make this documentary to see if he could sort of piece together and uh, somebody who who he suspects might have done it. So uh, really good, interesting watch for if you like killers, if you like solving your crime documentaries and things like that. This is brand new. It's on Now TV, Sky Documentaries, Murder at the Cottage. So next week, you guys get the chance to tell us at home what to watch. So keep an eye out on Instagram where we'll be posting the film that we'll be watching. And then we'll be back here on Thursday to talk all the things that we loved, hated and rated about that film. Remember, you can join us on Monday for our bonus episode, Extraterrestrial. I'm no longer calling it the new episode because it's not new anymore, is it? It's old news. It's old old new bonus episode. Um, You can keep in touch with us on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. At Sofa Cinema Club. (laughs) The TikTok's gone big, isn't it? Viral. Keep leaving us a review on iTunes. Give us the old five stars, Dross. Please. I feel like I'm on those voting shows. (laughs) Vote for me, please. Vote for me. (laughs) Don't let my section go to shit. (laughs) Give us the old five stars and drop us a comment about why you like the podcast. Keep sharing, keep doing all the stuff that makes it great to be part of the Sofa Cinema Club family. And... All that's left to say is, good night, God bless. Bye-bye, good night. Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage of the French Open begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.